Chapter Six of Ruggles of Red Gap by Harry Leon Wilson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Six. There are times when all nature seems to smile, yet when to the sensitive mind it will be faintly brought that the possibilities are quite tremendously otherwise, if one will consider them pro and con. I mean to say one often suspects things may happen when it doesn't look so the succeeding three days passed with so ordered a calm that little would any but a profound thinker have fancied tragedy to lurk so near their placid surface mrs effie and mrs belknap jackson continued to plan the approaching social campaign at red gap cousin egbert and the mixer continued their card game for the trifling stake of a shilling a game or two bits as it is known in the american monetary system and our host continued his recreation each morning i turned him out in the smartest of fishing costumes and each evening i assisted him to change it is true i was now compelled to observe at these times a certain lofty irritability in his character yet i more than half fancied this to be queerly assumed in order to inform me that he was not unaccustomed to services such as i rendered him there was that about him i mean to say when he sharply rebuked me for clumsiness or cried out stupid it had a perfunctory languor as if meant to show me he could address a servant in what he believed to be the grand manner in this to be sure he was so oddly wrong that the pathos of it quite drowned what i might otherwise have felt of resentment but i next observed that he was sharp in the same manner with the hairy backwoods person who took him to fish each day using words to him which i for one would have employed had i thought them merited only after the gravest hesitation i have before remarked that i did not like the gleam in this person's eyes he was very apparently a not quite nice person also i more than once observed him to wink at cousin egbert in an evil manner as i have so truly said how close may tragedy be to us when life seems most correct it was belknap jackson's custom to raise a view halloo each evening when he returned down the lake so that we might gather at the dock to oversee his landing i must admit that he disembarked with somewhat the manner of a visiting royalty demanding much attention and assistance with his impedimenta undoubtedly he liked to be looked at this was what one rather felt and i can fancy that this very human trait of his had in a manner worn upon the probably undisciplined nerves of the backwoods josser had in fact deprived him of his goat as the native people have it be this as it may we gathered at the dock on the afternoon of the third day of our stay to assist at the return as the native log-craft neared the dock our host daringly arose to a graceful kneeling posture in the bow and saluted us charmingly 
the woods person in the stern wielding his single oar in gloomy silence at the moment a most poetic image occurred to me that he was like a dull grim figure of fate that fetches us low at the moment of our highest seeming i mean to say it was a silly thought perhaps yet i afterward recalled it most vividly holding his creel aloft our host hailed us full to-day thanks to going where i wished and paying no attention to silly guides talk he beamed upon us in an unquestionably superior manner and again from the moody figure at the stern i intercepted the flash of a wink to cousin egbert then as the frail craft had all but touched the dock and our host had half risen there was a sharp dipping of the thing and he was ejected into the chilling waters where he almost instantly sank there were loud cries of alarm from all including the woodsman himself who had kept the craft upright and in these mr belknap jackson heartily joined the moment his head appeared above the surface calling help help in the quite loudest of tones which was thoughtless enough as we were close at hand and could easily have heard his ordinary speaking voice the woods person now stepped to the dock and firmly grasping the collar of the drowning man hauled him out with but little effort at the same time becoming voluble with apologies and sympathy the rescued man however was quite off his head with rage and bluntly berated the fellow for having tried to assassinate him indeed he put forth rather a torrent of execration but to all of this the fellow merely repeated his crude protestations of regret and astonishment seeming to be sincerely grieved that his intentions should have been doubted from his friends about him the unfortunate man was receiving the most urgent advice to seek dry garments lest he perish of chill whereupon he turned abruptly to me and cried well stupid don't you see the state that fellow has put me in are you doing have you lost your wits now i had suffered a very proper alarm and solicitude for him but the injustice of this got a bit on me i mean to say i suddenly felt a bit of temper myself though to be sure retaining my control yes sir quite so sir i replied smoothly i'll have you right as rain in no time at all sir and started to conduct him off the dock but now having gone a little distance he began to utter the most violent threats against the woods person declaring in fact he would pull the fellow's nose however i restrained him from rushing back as i subtly felt i was wished to do and he at length consented again to be led toward his hut but now the woods person called out you're forgetting all your pretties by which i saw him to mean the fishing impedimenta he had placed on the dock and most unreasonably at this mr belknap jackson again turned upon me wishing anew to be told if i had lost my wits and directing me to fetch the stuff again i was conscious of that within me which no gentleman's man should confess to i mean to say 
I felt like shaking him. But I hastened back to fetch the rod, the creel, the luncheon hamper, the midge ointment, the camera, and other articles which the woodsfellow handed me. With these somewhat awkwardly carried, I returned to our still turbulent host. More like a volcano he was than a man who has had a narrow squeak from drowning. And before we had gone a dozen feet more, he again turned and declared he would go back and thrash the unspeakable cad within an inch of his life. Their relative sizes rendered an attempt of this sort quite too unwise. I was conscious of renewed irritation toward him. Indeed, the vulgar words, Oh, stow that piffle! swiftly formed in the back of my mind but again i controlled myself as the chap was now sneezing violently best hurry on sir i said with exemplary tact one might contract a severe head-cold from such a wetting and further endeavoured to soothe him while i started ahead to lead him away from the fellow then there happened that which fulfilled my direst premonitions looking back from a moment of calm the psychology of the crisis is of rudimentary simplicity enraged beyond measure at the woods person mr belknap jackson yet retained a fine native caution which counselled him to attempt no violence upon that offender but his mental tension was such that it could be relieved only by his attacking someone preferably someone forbidden to retaliate i walked there temptingly but a pace ahead of him after my well-meant word of advice i make no defence of my own course i am aware there can be none i can only plead that i had already been vexed not a little by his unjust accusations of stupidity and dismiss with as few words as possible an incident that will ever seem to me quite too indecently criminal briefly then with my well-intended best not lower yourself sir mr belknap jackson forgot himself and i forgot myself it will be recalled that i was in front of him but i turned rather quickly his belongings i had carried were widely disseminated instantly there were wild outcries from the others who had started toward the main or living-house he's killed charles i heard mrs belknap jackson scream then came the deep-chested rumble of the mixer jackson kicked him first they ran for us they had reached us while our host was down even while my fist was still clenched now again the unfortunate man cried as his wife assisted him to his feet send for an officer cried she the man's an anarchist shouted her husband nonsense boomed the mixer jackson got what he was looking for do it myself if he kicked me oh ma oh mater cried her daughter tearfully Gee he done it in one punch i heard cousin egbert say with what i was aghast to suspect was admiration mrs effie 
trembling could but glare at me and gasp mercifully she was beyond speech for the moment mr belknap jackson was now painfully rubbing his right eye which was not what he should have done and i said as much beg pardon sir but one does better with a bit of raw beef how dare you you great hulking brute cried his wife and made as if to shield her husband from another attack from me which i submit was unjust bill's right said cousin egbert casually put a piece of raw steak on it gee with one wallop and then quite strangely for a moment we all amiably discussed whether cold compresses might not be better presently our host was led off by his wife mrs effie followed them moaning oh 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 in the keenest distress at this i took to my own room in dire confusion making no doubt i would presently be given in charge and left to languish in jail perhaps given six months hard cousin egbert came to me in a little while and laughed heartily at my fear that anything legal would be done he also made some ill-timed compliments on the neatness of the blow i had dealt mr belknap jackson but these i found in wretched taste and was begging him to desist when the mixer entered and began to speak much in the same strain don't you ever dare do a thing like that again she warned me unless i got a ringside seat <laughs> to which i remained severely silent for i felt my offence should not be made light of three rousing cheers exclaimed cousin egbert whereat the two most unfeelingly went through a vivid pantomime of cheering our host i understood had his dinner in bed that night and throughout the evening as i sat solitary in remorse came the mocking strains of another of their american folk songs with the refrain you made me what i am to-day i hope you're satisfied i conceived it to be the mixer and cousin egbert who did this and considering the plight of our host i thought it in the worst possible taste i had raised my hand against the one american i had met who was at all times vogue and not only this for i now recalled a certain phrase i had flung out as i stood over him ranting indeed no better than an anarchist a phrase which showed my poor culture to be the flimsiest veneer late in the night as i lay looking back on the frightful scene i recalled with wonder a swift picture of cousin egbert caught as i once looked back to the dock he had most amazingly shaken the woods person by the hand quickly but with marked cordiality and yet i am quite certain he had never been presented to the fellow promptly the next morning came the dreaded summons to meet mrs effie i was of course prepared to accept instant dismissal without a character if indeed i were not to be given in charge i found her wearing an expression of the utmost sternness erect and formidable by the now silent phonograph cousin egbert who was present also wore an expression of sternness though i perceived him to wink at me 
i really don't know what we're going to do with you ruggles began the stricken woman and so done out she plainly was that i had once felt the warmest sympathy for her as she continued first you lead poor cousin egbert into a drunken debauch cousin egbert here coughed nervously and eyed me with strong condemnation then you behave like a murderer what have you to say for yourself at this i saw there was little i could say except that i had coarsely given way to the brute in me and yet i knew i should try to explain i dare say madam it may have been because mr belknap jackson was quite sober at the unfortunate moment of course charles was sober the idea what of it i was remembering an occasion at chains wotton when lord ivor cradley behaved toward me somewhat as mr belknap jackson did last night and when my own deportment was quite all that could be wished it occurs to me now that it was because his lordship was how shall i say quite far gone in liquor at the time so that i could without loss of dignity pass it off as a mere prank indeed he regarded it as such himself performing the act with a good nature that i found quite irresistible and i am certain that neither his lordship nor i have ever thought the less of each other because of it i revert to this merely to show that i have not always acted in a ruffianly manner under these circumstances it seems rather to depend upon how the thing is done the mood of the performer his mental state had mr belknap jackson been pardon me quite drunk i feel that the outcome would have been happier for us all so far as i have thought along these lines it seems to me that if one is to be kicked at all one must be kicked good-naturedly i mean to say with a certain camaraderie a lightness a gaiety a genuine good-will that for the moment expresses itself uncouthly an element i regret to say that was conspicuously lacking from the brief activities of mr belknap jackson i never heard such crazy talk responded mrs effie and really i never saw such a man as you are for wanting people to become disgustingly drunk you made poor cousin egbert and jeff tuttle act like beasts and now nothing will satisfy you but that charles should roll in the gutter such dissipated talk i never did hear and poor charles rarely taken anything but a single glass of wine it upsets him so even our reception punch he finds too stimulating i mean to say the woman had cleanly missed my point for never have i advocated the use of fermented liquors to excess but i saw it was no good trying to tell her this and the worst of it she went rapidly on cousin egbert here is acting stranger than i ever knew him to act he swears if he can't keep you he'll never have another man and you know yourself what that means in his case and mrs pettingill saying she means to employ you herself if we let you go heaven knows what the poor woman can be thinking of oh it's awful and everything was going so beautifully of course charles would simply never be brought to accept an apology i am only too anxious to make one i submitted 
here's the poor fellow now said cousin egbert almost gleefully and our host entered he carried a patch over his right eye and was not attired for sport on the lake but in a dark morning suit of quietly beautiful lines that i thought showed a fine sense of the situation he shot me one superior glance from his left eye and turned to mrs effie i see you still harbour the ruffian i've just given him a call down said mrs effie plainly ill at ease and he says it was all because you were sober that if you'd been in the state lord ivor cradley was the time it happened at chains he wouldn't have done anything to you probably what's this lord ivor cradley chains the man seemed to be curiously interested by the mere names in spite of himself his lordship was at chains for the shooting i suppose this most amazingly to me a house-party at whitsuntide sir i explained ah and you say his lordship was oh quite quite in his cups sir if i might explain it was that sir it's being done under circumstances and in a certain entirely genial spirit of irritation to which i could take no offence sir his lordship is a very decent sort sir i've known him intimately for years dear dear he replied too bad and i dare say you thought me out of temper last night nothing of the sort you should have taken it in quite the same spirit as you did from lord ivor cradley it seemed different sir i said firmly if i may take the liberty of putting it so i felt quite offended by your manner i missed from it at the most critical moment as one might say a certain urbanity that i found in his lordship sir well 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 it's too bad really i'm quite aware that i show a sort of briskness at times but mind you it's all on the surface had you known me as long as you've known his lordship i dare say you'd have noticed the same rough urbanity in me as well i rather fancy some of us over here don't do those things so very differently a few of us at least i'm glad indeed to hear it sir it's only necessary to understand that there is a certain mood in which one really cannot permit oneself to be you perceive i trust perfectly perfectly said he and i can only express my regret that you should have mistaken my own mood which i am confident was exactly the thing his lordship might have felt i gladly accept your apology sir i returned quickly as i should have accepted his lordship's had his manner permitted any misapprehension on my part and in return i wish to apologize most contritely for the phrase i applied to you just after it happened sir i rarely use strong language but i remember hearing none said he i regret to say sir that i called you a blighted little mug you needn't have mentioned it 
he replied with just a trace of sharpness and i trust that in future i am sure sir that in future you will give me no occasion to misunderstand your intentions no more than would his lordship i added as he raised his brows thus in a manner wholly unexpected was a frightful situation eased off i'm so glad it's settled cried mrs effie who had listened almost breathlessly to our exchange i fancy i settled it as cradley would have eh ruggles and the man actually smiled at me entirely so sir said i if only it doesn't get out said mrs effie now we shouldn't want it known in red gap think of the talk certainly rejoined mr belknap jackson jauntily we are all here above gossip about an affair of that sort i am sure he broke off and looked uneasily at cousin egbert who coughed into his hand and looked out over the lake before he spoke what would i want to tell a thing like that for he demanded indignantly as if an accusation had been made against him but i saw his eyes glitter with an evil light an hour later i chanced to be with him in our detached hut when the mixer entered what happened she demanded what do you reckon happened returned cousin egbert they get to talking about lord ivy craddles or some guy and before we know it mr belknap hyphen jackson is apologizing to bill here no bellowed the mixer sure did he affirmed cousin egbert here they grasped each other's arms and did a rude native dance about the room nor did they desist when i sought to explain that the name was not at all ivy craddles chapter six